This is Emily. And this is Sarah. And this is Sisters Take a Side on the Trial of Alec Murdoch. No, that was not right. (laughs) (laughs) I was listening to TCO's coverage today of it, and and they say Alec. Alec. A-L. See, I've heard it Alec. Yeah. I've heard Alex. I've heard Alex. And we'll we'll just tell the listeners we have no idea. (laughs) Okay, let's try this again. Girl. Hi. Hi. Hello. It's recording day. I know. I'm so excited. Sarah, I have watched 10 or 8 episodes like docu-series episodes. I have read one book. I have listened to two podcast series about this. Wow. I am I am ready. Like You're we should just very call this prepared for this. Like Emily take a side cuz like I'm here are you to in, like really inundated in this now. Like are you like dreaming about Alec Murdoch? Guys, I texted in the family group chat multiple times over the weekend. I was like just randomly I'm like Alec Murdoch sucks. Yeah, like he I just did sucks i you did okay do that. i had to, i watched like recordings of his court testimony wow never wanted to punch someone in the face more in my entire life did you I see that say, fantastic side eye that he gives he gives a fantastic side eye he also has this really annoying habit of calling maggie and paul the you know people he's convicted of murdering mags and pawpaw i'm not Cute. kidding i couldn't make this up if i tried mags and pawpaw is that supposed to elicit like look at how close i am to these that's exactly what that's supposed to do i swear sarah if tom murders me you do not allow you tackle him from the stand if you have to if he gets up there and he's like emmy shemmy bear and i ew i can destroy him you hear me i would do that if he didn't kill you but all right (laughs) i'll make a note i guess (laughs) Okay, should we get into it? We should get into it because I I can feel the energy coming off of you right now, even through the screen. So I feel it. I'm here for it. I can't wait for this. I've also had like a really good day at work. We're recording this after our work day, and I'm just like, okay, vibing. Get it. I love it. Okay. All right. Um, Do you want to give us a quick? Sorry, this is really important, Sarah. You know what? You know also why I'm excited today. Tell me everything. My Spanx knockoff fake leather leggings showed no, up you today. No, you didn't. And girl, they are good. They are good. And what? I look good in them, and I love them. You told you didn't tell me you ordered them. That's like a sister I, rule. Because I wasn't sure at first. I wasn't sure. Well, now so I want a pair. I'm send you the link. <sighs> Tom was like, "What are these? <laughs> what are those?" Yeah, it was. <laughs> It was a weird Amazon box. I mean, actually, why am I telling anyone this? I don't know. I, I ordered like new underwear, just like normal underwear, like nothing, like just normal, mm-hmm. only the underwear and like the the fake leather pants. Tom opens it and goes, hmm. <laughs> I bet he did. <laughs> Any other like, underwear no, stories you want to tell us? Why am I telling you, anyone this? God. Okay. Sarah, if people want to write in and ask Emily to stop talking about her underwear on her podcast, how would they do that? <laughs> well, they could reach out to us on uh, via email at sisters.take.a.side at gmail.com. Sure can. Or they could reach out to us on Instagram. Um, slide right into our little DM there. Oh, yeah. At sisters take aside underscore podcast. 
You could also leave us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Um, We check those weekly. Um, So just drop us a little what you guys think about us. We really do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're so vain. Literally. Um, You can – yeah. So any of those three ways would be great. Love it. Love Um, it. Okay. Sarah, tell the people, where did we leave off last week? So last week we found out um, we were just sitting right in early June 2021. We sure were. Um, We learned about this horrible accident, um, multiple horrible accidents. Yes. um, And a judge had just scheduled a hearing to consider a motion that would compel Alec Murdoch to turn over his financial information in relation to the boat crash that his son was in that resulted in someone dying. Correct. So, yeah, it is. It's June 2021. Our guy Alec is stressed. Stressed. He's stressed. He's stressed. Okay. So, here's what I'm going to do today. And I I have to tell you, I like really debate about how to organize this, right? So, what I'm going to do though is I'm going to walk us through a timeline. Okay. And I'm going to make sure to point out when something I'm sharing is like testimony from witnesses from trial or whether or not it's Alex's version of events. So okay. perfect. All right. And, you know, if that flow doesn't work, we'll, I don't know what we'll do. So great. Here we are. Okay. So uh, we arrive at the day in question, June 7th, 2021. Um, and right off the bat, I want to tell you guys that most of this information that I'm sharing in this kind of section here comes from the testimony of our Lord and Savior, Blanca. Whoa. Okay. Oh, my girl, Who Blanca. Okay. Show some respect. My girl, Blanca, is the family's longtime housekeeper. Like, wow. she, like, raised the boys. Like, one of the, right? Like, she had been with this family for years and years and years. By all accounts, her and Maggie were very close, mm-hmm. right? I mean, obviously, she was in their employ, but, like, they were very, very close, talked all the time. Um, Blanca showed up looking like a million bucks in the Netflix documentary. Wow. Girl. Okay. Hero. Love Blanca. So a lot of this is her testimony. Um, and then we get testimony from other people later that I'll point out. So Maggie calls Blanca the morning of June 7th and it seems perfectly fine. Like they chit chat. Um, like again, like this really speaks to like these two were friends, right? Like she called her just to be like, hey, good morning. Like how was your night? Like yeah, mm-hmm. matter, right? So um, on Blanca's way into work that day, she worked at Moselle, Moselle property. Um, Maggie texted her and asked her to pick up Capri Sons for Alec. Which. So they had a phone conversation and then she texted her? Yes. Huh. No, I don't care about that. Capri Sons, Sarah, for a grown-ass man? Hi, I have like four Capri Sons in my fridge. That does not. That's fine. I bought a Lunchable last weekend so solely for the miniature Reese's and the Capri Sun. I have questions. <laughs> Sarah, I have a whole section later about how I think the Capri Suns are the real crime of it all. <laughs> Dude, okay. Who doesn't want an ice cold Capri Sun? In June? In South Carolina? That sounds so refreshing. Okay, well, you and Alec can make, talk, call Alec and talk to him about this on a payphone in prison. I, I don't might. know what to tell you. Okay. All right, so, so you have problems with the Capri Sun. I don't find like, it weird that they were on the phone and then... No, because this is, like, what they did. Like, like, okay, you know how you and I call each other in the morning? Just be like, hey, girl. Yeah. Like, 
But I would then also be like, oh, hey, by the way, like, if you're coming by today, could you bring you up some Capri Suns? And I would tell you that's a fucking You would be like, no, I cannot. Um, I don't know. I don't think that's that weird. Okay. All right. That's what stood out to me. That's fine. Well, because I love Capri Suns. Um, Okay. So by the time Blanca had arrived at Moselle for the day, Maggie left for a doctor's appointment. So she wasn't at the house. Um, But Alec was home. And notably... He, Blanca remembers specifically that he was wearing a pair of khakis and a blue blazer. Um, And she remembers this because the collar of his blue, like, polo shirt was sticking up, like, out of the, like, blazer collar. And she remembers Mm -hmm. tucking it in for him. Like, this, like, really, like, motherly gesture. Um, And Blanca, in her testimony, says that Alex seemed jittery this morning. Which, like, I don't know. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, meh. Yeah. Right? Okay. So Alec leaves her work that day, and at the office, um, he goes into the law firm. He has a meeting with Jeanne Seckinger, Seckinger, and girl, another hero if I've ever saw one. Okay, so according to Jeanne's testimony, do you think I was saying that right? It's, no. How do you think you say that? Jean. Jean. Am I just okay? Or Jean. Okay. Jean. Anyway, Jay. Our girl Jay. Girl, no, she deserves so. I'm gonna look this up and figure out how to say this thing. So, according to her testimony, so she's the CFO of Alex Law Firm. Remember the Get law it. firm that he's been stealing from for the last yes. couple of years, the ambulance chasers. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that week, she had found like hardcore proof that Alec was stealing from the firm. And so she called a meeting with him. And in this meeting on June 7th, she confronted him about $792,000 that was missing from the firm's bank accounts. Okay. Which, which like is laughable because we know he was literally stealing millions. Like, mm-hmm. but this is, so this is just like the tip of the iceberg, right? Yeah. Here's what's interesting. In the middle of this meeting, as he's getting like his ass handed to him by the CFO of his company, Alex phones rings. And it's a call from the hospital where his father had been admitted. And the news wasn't good. His father was now terminal. He was going mm. to die in a matter of days. So this obviously ends the meeting, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't really like wrap up. They don't really finish. But I want to take a second here to point out, like, why do we care? Why is this important that Alex's dad is, that he got news that his dad is dying? So Randolph Murdaugh, Alex's dad, often co-signed loans for Alec, helping him shuffle money around to cover up all the stealing that he was doing from the law firm, right? Like basically his dad would co-sign loans or even just flat out give him money sometimes to Mm -hmm. like pay back the law firm, right? He's like moving money, Mm -hmm. but his dad would help him put the money. Yes, right? But his dad's now terminal. Homeboy ain't signing no more loans for Alec, right? So not only is is Alec confronted about the fact that the firm knows he's stealing money, he then gets a phone call that, like, his one lifeline, no longer available. Okay? But what about, like, inheritance? Well, yeah, but that gets, like, tied up in, right? That's not an immediate fix. Like, he needed to immediately figure out how to pay the law firm back almost $800,000. Yeah. Like, tomorrow. So, I I have a quick question. I don't know if you're going to get to this in a little bit, but so... This meeting with Jean, so this was scheduled because yes, they because of this judge saying we need to see your shit. So then, presumably, oh. the CFO said, 
oh, here I went to find the shit that you asked for. And oh, and by the way, I noticed why is there almost $800,000 missing? So interesting this is question. As far as I know, these are two separate things. So the judge was looking into his personal finances, mm-hmm. right? And at the same time, the CFO, like doing normal CFO shit, was like balancing the books or whatever of the law firm and noticed all of this money was missing. So it was like independent of one another. Yes, like almost like two separate money problems. And again, the connecting factor is that his dad was the one that was going to fix all of this for him. Sorry, guys. I just was like clinking my nails in my microphone. That was probably unpleasant. (laughs) I'm so excited. You really are. You are coming at this hard and fast. So, okay. So we're saying the significance of the dad thing is that like he was going to fix this judge thing and he was going to fix. Yeah. And like mostly I think that he was going to fix the law firm thing because that's what he had been doing in the past. He would help Alec move money around. He would lend him money, give him money to pay back the law firm so that no one noticed money was missing. Right. So, right. and again, this is kind of an aside and like, I didn't include it cause it's just like kind of boring. What Alec was doing is when one of their clients would win a case, a certain amount of money would obviously be given to the law firm, right? For representing them. Right. What Alec was doing is he was transferring that money to his personal bank account and then he would then transfer it back at a later date, right? Like he was like paying himself and with the idea of like, oh, I'll pay that back later. Do you see what I mean? So like almost in his mind, it's not even like it was like stealing. It was like, oh, I'm just going to – I'm going to take this now and – Borrow this now and pay it back later. Yes. And his dad was helping him do that. But as you can imagine – it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, for sure. Right. Okay. But like, assumedly, if the dad could fix the law firm thing, like, assumedly that would smooth out some of this, we want to dig into your finances. Yes. It would smooth some of that out. Although remember, Maggie was also getting wise to this finance stuff too. Remember, she had just hired a a forensic accountant to go through their bank accounts. Right, 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 right. So you kind of have this like combination. Oh my gosh, hit my microphone. I'm so excited. You are so full of just (laughs) vigor today. Calm down. Um, Right? So it's like kind of this like combination of things all. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So around this same time, Maggie sends Blanca, the housekeeper, a text that Randolph Murdoch was terminal. Um, and she shared with Blanca in these texts that she was like really worried about Alec, that she was worried about like his mental health, his physical health. Yeah. Um, you know, that he was that gonna tracks. be like sad that his dad died, which like, yeah. That tracks. <laughs> right? Yeah. So at 4 p.m. that day, Alec calls Jean, the CFO, and asks her for some information on his personal 401k accounts, which she number one thought was weird because she assumed that he would have gone to see his father. Like she's basically like, what are you still doing here at work? Mm. Mm. Right. So even though their meeting ended, yes. he didn't leave? He like didn't he was leave. calling from his office? Yes. Whoa. Right? Okay. Trying to figure out like what's the balance of my 401ks, like yada, yada. And she initially chalks this up to like, well, he's working on the, you know, subpoena of records about the boat case. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So that evening, that early afternoon evening, Maggie was staying at Edisol, the family's beach house, but she texted Blanca and asked her to cook dinner at Moselle, right, the hunting lodge house, Mm -hmm. because Alec had asked both her and Paul to come back to Moselle that night. 
Okay. So hmm. this was not part of her plan. This is not what she had in mind. Um, so, and this is like so sad. Again, I didn't include this, but like Blanca, she, oh my God, she like cooks dinner. She made macaroni and cheese and chicken fried steak. And like Love she did that dinner. Love that dinner, Blanca. Blanca, come cook dinner at my house, dude, for real. And like she didn't hear from Maggie like after dinner time. And initially her feelings were really hurt because Maggie usually like texts her and tells her how good her cooking is. That's sad. But like these text messages that Maggie had asking her to cook dinner is the last time anyone outside the family heard from Maggie. Yeah. I mean, that's devastating because we know what happens. I just yeah. want to throw in there like – and I don't, I don't know. I mean, the guy didn't go home from work when he got the news. So I don't know. Grief is different for everybody. But like, also, if they have this family thing going on, like I can understand. Like you don't, like you're not thinking about like that, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, but it was just this like moment of like, like the way that Blanca was telling it in this one of the documentaries yeah. I was watching, she was just like, it was almost like in her gut, she knew something was wrong. Sure. Because Maggie would always text her and say, thank you for the meal. It was delicious. Like, Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. Ugh. And I, I think it's a testament, too, to, like, what it sounds like a really, like, lovely person Maggie was. Like, to think yeah. to do that for – who was really technically your employee. It's her job to make you dinner. But, like, to take the time to be like, oh, my gosh, this is yeah, so good. That's I don't very know. Nice. I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. Okay. So – Around this time, Alec comes home, what's described as, like, early from work, but I'm like, I don't know, how early is it if he's in the office yeah. at 4 p.m. calling Jean? Like, so yeah. let's say he's home around, like, 5-ish, right? Mm-hmm. And according to Alec, this comes from his testimony, um, he and Paul rode around their property, the Moselle property that afternoon, shooting hogs, question mark, <laughs> and planting sunflowers, double question mark. That's... I don't... <laughs> Not what I like to do after work, but okay. I don't know. Here's what's interesting, though. Paul took a Snapchat video this afternoon in which Alec is seen wearing the khaki pants and dress polo that Blanca saw him wearing when he left for work that day. Okay. Hmm. So he's okay. still in the same clothes. So, again, by So now we're kind of like shifting to Alec's account, okay? Because no one, I mean, God, this is, no one else is around to tell us what right. happened at this point. So, yeah. According to Alec, go ahead. I was just going to ask, what happened to Boomer or Babes or but who's what's the older brother's name? Boomer, what Buster? Buster. Oh, sorry, like that's such a stretch. Sorry, (laughs) Um, Buster was not at Moselle at the time. He was living. So he's just fucked off to some parts unknown. Correct. Got it. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. So sure I got my facts straight. Yes. Okay. So, according to Alec, the family eats dinner together. They have the macaroni and cheese and the chicken fries. Did he testify to that? No, I just like thinking about it in my mind. <laughs> That's fine. The man looks like he had like he's been eating some mac and cheese and chicken fried steak. Though we'll say that. Um, don't don't do that. That's Sarah. fine. I look Sarah. like I've eaten stop it steak and mac and cheese. I can talk. About I wouldn't be mad about it. About Alec Murdoch. Okay. Okay. So, according to Alec, Maggie and Paul leave the house to go down to the dog kennels. Okay. Which, again, I have to pause here, Sarah. Remember when you made fun of me last episode and we were like, the dog kennels, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So while they do that, Alec watches TV and falls asleep on the couch around 8.45 p.m. Okay. He wakes up after the world's shortest nap and calls Maggie at 9.06 p.m. Okay. So I don't, my guy was sleeping for 15 minutes. I don't know. I don't know. So mm-hmm. Maggie doesn't answer. 9.06 p.m. Maggie does not answer. He texts her to say he's going to go visit his mom at her house, Almeida, which is 13 miles away. At 9 o'clock at night? Mm-hmm. So his mother has Alzheimer's. Um, she's obviously like not doing well. She has full-time care at the house. But at 9 p.m., Alec is going to go visit her. Okay. I mean, it seems – again, I like I'm, I'm looking at this through the lens of grief and – so I don't know if I'm just giving him more – I don't know if, like, yeah, I'm viewing it – I'm giving him too much grace here, but I I don't want to call it weird just yet, I guess. Okay. It's weird, but I – but I, you know. Well, but just – also, people are different. I don't know. Give me a couple more bullet points and look at <laughs> there. So, so, you know, he leaves shortly after he calls Maggie at 9 or 6 p.m. So at 9.30 p.m., Shelly Smith – Another goddamn hero. She's the caretaker for Mrs. Murdaugh. Um, she gets a call from Alex saying that he's outside Almeida and wants to see his mom. So she's like, okay. So she lets him in. Um, again, she says he was acting very strangely. Again, I think like hindsight is twenty twenty, mm-hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> but his mom's asleep. And Shelly's like, oh, yeah, sorry, Mr. Murdaugh. Like your mom's asleep. And, like, she thinks it's weird that he's like, oh, no problem. Like, I'll just hang out for a little bit. And he comes in the house anyways. Yeah. And, like, also, okay, okay, now I'm – like, why not – like, if he knows that Shelly's at the house, like, why not call Shelly instead of his mom to say he's coming over? Like – Right. And Shelly could have been like, hey, let me save you. Well, no, he – so he called Maggie, his wife, at 9.06 p.m. And Maggie doesn't answer. He he, he calls oh. – You see? Like, he I calls okay. no one – at to announce his presence yes okay or like yeah, you said to, to text the caretaker and say hey right is, is mom awake like i thought i'd drop by yeah that's yeah okay that's strange but, but what's even weirder is alec comes in he sits down on the couch and he watches a tv show with shelly who's like just trying to do a fucking job like that's so weird because you know by that point she's like my yes. duties are done i'm in my sweats i got a glass of wine i'm watching real housewives yes like, Literally, and now my boss is going to come in and just hang. I would be so mad. I would be so, so pissed. I'd so, be, could you? I know, okay. right? It's going in my burn book. <laughs> so, twenty minutes after he arrives, Alec just gets up and leaves. He's like, "All right, well, I'm out of here. See you later." So, he's driving back to the 13 miles to his house, and my guy just starts calling people, like. A little, uh, you know, Adnan Syed-esque, if you will. He's just calling folks all over the place. He calls his brother. He calls his son, son Buster. He's just returning all these calls. Definitely not trying to establish an alibi. For sure not. Right? So he gets home, according to him. He can't find Maggie and Paul. So he gets in his car and he drives down to the dog kennels where he finds them dead. Mm. so i'm gonna stop there if you would like to do an initial take a side tell me what you're thinking so like have you seen those memes where it's like 
if I call you, um, if I, if I call you on my way home, don't bother calling, and I, you don't pick up, don't bother calling me back because I only want to talk to you in the yes. car. Yes. Like, yes. I don't know. I, I get it. I guess. I don't, I don't think the phone okay. calls are necessarily that weird, but like, okay. also it's 10 o'clock at night. Like, I guess there's a difference between. Could you imagine if dad called you at 10 PM? I like, would think someone died. For sure someone died. Right? Yeah. Okay. So now here's where we're going to kind of get into it. Now we shift from Alex's perspective back into the perspective of like reliable people. Okay. Okay. <laughs> reliable narrators. Yes. Okay. So a little after 10 p.m., 911 operators in Hampton County received the following 911 call. And I'm going to go ahead and play the 911 call audio for you here. Okay. And, and guys, don't come for me. It's grainy audio because it's a 911 call. But yeah. I want you to actually hear it in his own words and tell me what you think. Okay? Are you ready? I'm ready. Hmm. So number one, I don't know what all that banging was in the background. Yeah, what is I going actually, on? I actually looked into it. I'm like, was that Alec? Because that seems sketchy as fuck to me. Yeah. And the general consensus seems to be that they think that that was banging from the 911 operator. Okay, 911 operator, like, like, relax. Jeff, what are you doing? Why are you getting in the bed before you get to the call? Like, what's going on over there? You're like, heating up your hoagie sandwich in the microwave? What are you doing? Why is it so loud? Yeah, okay. So, so tell me... What's your initial impressions after hearing that? I mean, he sounds like a normal person would sound when they find something like that. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I think he sounds believable. Yeah. Right? I do. I mean, the thing is, like, if you're going to walk up on the scene, you know it's happening. You know why you did it. Right? Like, I don't – I think – I don't know. Like, I don't think you would have that much – you wouldn't sound like that. Yeah, I I find him believable. I also think it's interesting he name drops himself almost immediately. This is Alec Murdo. Like, all right, chill. That could just be generations of like having to prove yourself a Murdo. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I know, but again, as someone as as a resident expert here on calling nine one one, never once have I been like, you are speaking to Emily, right? Like, yeah. And now I'm gonna have to bleep out my last name. You are for sure. Okay, hold on. Let me pause this. Fuck. God damn it. Yeah, <laughs> never once. I mean, so, I've never – well, I've called the non-emergency line, but, like, never have I been, like – Wait, what were you calling the non-emergency line about? I'll tell you offline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't oh. reveal myself in public. Okay. So the 911 call is made, and police arrive on the scene at 1025. Um, and huge shout-out to um, – the Netflix documentary, I have it linked in the show notes. It, the Southern Scandal, I think is what it's called. They actually show the body cam footage of these police officers responding to the scene. Like, really? Holy moly, right? So, 
I mean, they like blur out anything graphic, but like it is really interesting to see like officers arrive on the scene. So officers arrive and they find two dead bodies down by the dog kennels on the property. Um, both Maggie and Paul have been shot multiple times and without question, they're dead. Like there's just, there's no like if fans about it. Um, Alec is also down by the dog kennels when they get there wearing notably a white shirt and green shorts. And for what it's worth, these clothes are clean as a whistle. Okay. Mm-hmm. So immediately he tells the officers this was about the boat case. Someone did this as revenge for the boat case. Okay. More importantly, though, he tells police that he left the house around 9 p.m. and didn't return till after 10 p.m. Right. So I cannot stress this enough. He says the last time he saw his family, he they were having dinner and Maggie and Paul left the house. He then took his nap. He went to his mom's house. He came home, found him. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead. Do we think it's weird that it took the police 25 minutes to get there? That's a long time. Uh, this is a really remote location though. I mean, this is a huge like hunting farm. Yeah. I don't know. But like if you're, when you're Alec Murdoch, like. Alec Murdoch. <laughs> I don't know. To me, that time jumps out. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I can look. We can look into that and see if like they. That's like something weird. Um. Yeah. Do any other thoughts on on the arrival of the scene? I'm asking because I see you highlighting things in our notes. Do you, are you do you have a <laughs> well, point you want to make? <laughs> I mean, like a white shirt and green shorts. I mean, like, do we think that he napped like in his blazer and like could he have gone upstairs when they went down to the kennels like? A hundred percent. So remember, this is not the same outfit he was wearing in that Snapchat video from right before dinner. Like, is it conceit? Like, I change my clothes before I, like, sit down to eat dinner. So, like, that's fine to me. What I think is interesting, though, is that they're clean. Right? Like, again, we're saying this guy did this. The person who shot these people would be covered in blood. Right. And we'll get into, like, the scene here in a second. But, like... Yeah. I think it's worth noting he was clean. His clothes were clean. Yeah. But I mean, like, we can't place him, like, so a little bit after 10, like, left around. You know what I mean? Like, we don't really could have changed in the car. I mean, like, if if we're going to go down that route, like, or I'm sorry, he could have changed afterwards, like. A hundred percent. I just think it's, like, the one piece of evidence that's, like, maybe, like, he didn't do this. I just felt like I had to at least, like, put it out there. No. Yeah. I'm glad you did. Right. I mean, guys, this guy killed his wife. Son. Um, <laughs> so this is what I also think is interesting. And again, I got this from the body cam footage of the police officers. Alec immediately tells the police that he had brought a gun down to the scene and that he had touched both of their bodies checking for a pulse. So he's admitting to handling a firearm and touching the bodies. And what does this tell us? That he's guilty. Why would he do that? Well... Well, what this tells us is if they were to test his hands for gunshot oh, residue, yeah, it would be on he there. would have a legit reason for having gunshot residue on his hands. If they were to investigate the bodies to see if he's, his DNA was on them in a weird way, he would have an excuse. Right. right? Yeah. I, so my guy, I'm thinking clearly here, I think. So 
He's being interviewed by police. And again, I encourage you guys to watch this body cam footage. It's very fascinating. And he's pretty believably upset, like very similar to the 911 call. He's right. crying. He's like up here in his like girl voice, like <laughs> hysterical about it, which like, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I would be too. Yeah. But here's what I think is so interesting. And I just included this for you because I know this kind of like dives into like your psychology interests. Mm -hmm. There's this one scene in the body cam footage where he's like talking to one officer and like, (laughs) and then another officer like walks by, right? Like, and you can see Alec look up at him. And so he's like, hey man, how's it going? Like, Like without like just switches it off like without thinking it's Mm -hmm. creepy yeah that's weird and again like is that proof of anything no but is it really fucking weird yes yeah so but like don't we also know that this guy has like a raging opioid problem like isn't he on like a fuck ton of drugs according to him yeah yeah this is the thing about alec i don't even believe him about his drug (laughs) yeah Yeah, I mean, who knows? But, like, I'm just wondering, is that, like, a side effect of, like, being on a lot of drugs? Like, Or is it a side effect of being, like, a fucking psycho? Yeah, I mean, I think all things can be true. So another interesting part of the body cam footage is that the police immediately treat this like a murder-suicide, which I don't think I knew until I watched this. So they roll over Paul's body to check and see if there's a gun underneath him, like, indicating that he had shot his mom and then shot himself. They quickly rule this out, but one thing that they did find was Paul's phone under mm-hmm. his body. And this will prove to be the most crucial piece of evidence that they find. Right? Yeah. So this is what the police are then are gonna later testify to. And again, our guy Alec, he says he went over to Paul's body, touched Paul's body, picked up his cell phone, and then put it back down under his son's body, which like what? So was it Paul originally, like, on one side of his body and then Alec turned him over on top of the phone or? He was laying on his stomach. And Mm -hmm. so according to Alec, he rolled him over to check for a pulse, saw the phone under his stomach, took the phone, put it back under his stomach and rolled him back over. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense either. No. So I want to kind of, like, walk you through, like, what the police found at the scene, okay? Mm -hmm. So this is, again, coming from police testimony, which, for them, like, I find credible. I find this to be, right? So according to the police, Paul entered the feed room at the dog kennel and was standing about, like, midway into the room, right? He was looking off to the right side of the room where, like, the feed, whatever, things Mm -hmm. were. He is shot once in the chest from behind. And he, crazily enough, is still standing, right? And he staggers towards the door, facing the door. In the doorway, he is shot again almost at point-blank range through his chin. Um, and, like, this uh, this kills him. This is a shot that kills him. Mm-hmm. So his body is halfway out of the feed room, right? He's kind of, like, laying through the door frame. Okay? Mm-hmm. This is, like, this part breaks my heart, but, like, they, the crime scene, like, reenactments, you know, what they think happened is that at the sound of the second shot, Maggie started running towards Paul. Mm-hmm. She's like, and, of course, yeah. she, she comes face to face with the attacker, the shooter. This, I think, is really interesting. Again, no one says this but me, but, like, I think this 
what happens to Maggie is a lot of overkill. So let me, let me run through this. She's thought, she's first shot three times, once to her thigh and abdomen, which didn't kill her. Mm-hmm. And then once again in her back, which forced her to fall down on her stomach. So the shot to the back is what killed her, right? It kind of like pierced through her chest. And even though she was already dead, the shooter came up behind her and shot her in the head. So she was shot a total of four times. Yes. Don't you think that that's... Um, yeah, I think that's someone making very, very sure that like... They, yeah, this job was done. You know what I also think this could be? <clears throat> and I kind of shared this like last time that part of me wonders if Paul was an unintended victim in this, that the shooter was expecting to find Maggie, hoping to find Maggie and stumbled upon Paul and then had to act because Paul saw him or her, I guess, mm-hmm. holding a gun. Right. Like, the way in which Maggie was killed speaks to a level of, like, disdain, I think, that you don't see with Paul. Really? See, I think it's the other way around. I think okay, that tell Paul me. was the intended victim. Mm. I don't think they anticipated Maggie. Maggie wasn't there. Maggie was supposed to be at the beach house. I don't think they expected to find Maggie. They panicked. And that's where the extra comes in. That they were like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Like, oh, shit. Mm. I mean, that theory only works if you believe Alec didn't do this. Because Alec is the one that called Maggie back to Moselle that night. But, like, he also just found out his dad was terminal. Like, could he be seeking support? I don't know. Okay. See, I don't know. Yeah. Like, okay. I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I think that's in- – well, and, like, it's interesting to me also because – so, and again, I, I had learned more about guns than I ever cared to. I fucking hate <laughs> guns. I didn't learn so much about guns. So Maggie was shot with a different gun than Paul was. She mm-hmm. was shot with a .300 blackout. I don't fucking know. I don't know what that is. Uh-huh. Um, so here's what I think is interesting. Murder weapons were never found on the scene. Okay. So mm-hmm. two different guns were used, but not only that two different types of bullets were used and not only that two different types of bullets were used on paul really yes so he was shot in the so that his the first shot to his chest was a, again how do i know this the first shot to his chest was a duck shot am i saying that right yeah. gun enthusiast of the world duck shot um and basically what that means, like why, I don't know why I'm explaining this, it's the bullet is like so small and like teeny tiny because like if you're hunting ducks, you don't want to like use a big old bullet that's going to like. Right. Right. So that's what he's initially shot with, which like number one, like that's not what you would use to kill someone. Right. Right. Um, and then he shot a, the second time with a buckshot. So a bullet you would use to kill a deer. Right. Yeah, like oh, brutal. Number one, why were there two different bullets in one gun? Yeah, how dumb. does that? I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works. So again, I just point this out because this is just like interesting because this this starts to plant the seed. Was there more than one shooter? There could have been. Okay. So the police stay on the scene all night, but only down at the dog kennels. Right. Mm-hmm. No police officers. I repeat, no police officers searched 
the house on the property. They did not search Moselle. Alec was also never tested for gunshot residue. Thoughts on that? (laughs) Well, I think because he already said, I did bring a gun down with me, which like, I I would think police would want to know more. Like, why would you do that? Why did you bring a gun down if you were just looking for your what? Like, I don't know. I feel like we should have had more information on that. But I think because he already said, like, I I guess to confirm it, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a little, that's a little odd. But then also we have to remember that, like, these people were essentially royalty in this town, right? Like, I think they were also probably, I think he was also treated with kid gloves in this instance, too. Right. Um, Not searching the house. I mean, I guess I would want to know, like, how far away was the house from the kennels? Like, what kind of distance are we talking about? Like, I, yeah, but like, think of the evidence. Same, like, he could have bloody clothes in that house. True, but I mean, I'm thinking more of the sense of like, well, could the could they have could this person have mm-hmm. run up to the house and waiting to get Alec? Like, mm-hmm. that would be my thinking for checking the house. Like, at least right. do a cursory sweep and like. Right. I, I think a, a police officer worth their salt would have said, well, let's check the, you know, set up a perimeter, mm-hmm. like check the property, make sure that like the person or persons who did this aren't still here. Like, how mm-hmm. do we know who the intended victim was? It could have been Alec. Alec wasn't home. So then they, you know what I'm saying? Like, that is interesting. Well, and that kind of speaks, I think, to like Alec's state of mind. Like, homeboy, you were fine staying in that house that night? Yeah. Thinking, I thinking mean, a crazy murderer was on the loose? I mean, that would be my first thing. It's like, well, how, like, are we? Right. Yeah. That would be my thinking for checking the house. Hmm. Well, so let's dive into like the aftermath of this. And I'm going to try to like take us through kind of quickly because I know I have gone on a thousand tangents and we're like <laughs> running long. So June 8th, the next day, Alec calls Blanca at 630 a.m. to tell her the news. And like, God, she's obviously like heartbroken. Oh my God, that's so early. Sarah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sarah, there are people dying. I'm sorry. But like if my boss called me before 7 a.m., like I would be like, okay. Wow. Okay. I'll make sure no one calls you before 9 a.m. if I die. Jesus. Sorry. Sorry. That was insensitive. So he, Alec asks her to come by the house to clean and straighten up because they're going to have a lot of people there, right? Like families coming into town. Yeah, I know. You know. <laughs> Don't love that. Don't love that. And like it's your own damn house. Well, or also, like, why are you cleaning up what's basically a crime scene? The house wasn't a crime scene. Sarah, don't be an Alec apologist. I'm not. I'm just saying the house is not technically the crime scene. Okay, but more importantly, like, imagine if this was any other family. Do you think the police would have let anyone on that property? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, no. I think the police, like, really fucked up in a lot of this. Like, I don't think that they... Like I said, any officer like, worth their salt would have, like, sh- locked this shit down and said, you have eight different properties you can stay at. I re- highly yes. recommend to you that you go stay at another property. You get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <clears throat> and I just, like, again, like, if that was, like, you and me, they'd be like, well, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I also think our police officers would, like, do a better job than these people did. I mean, probably. For whatever reasons. Either because we're average Joes or because, like, they're just better. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to Prince William County's finest. Shout out P Dubs. <laughs> um. Uh, so 
Alec then calls Shelly, remember his mom's caretaker, and asks her to tell the police that he was with her for 30 to 40 minutes the night before. Excuse me, sir. Hmm. And she was like, girl, but you weren't. You were here like 20 minutes. And he's like, no, no, no. I was there for like 40 minutes. Like an asshole. Okay. Hmm. Um, this is sad. On June 10th, Randolph Murdaugh dies. The Randolph Sr. Yeah, that's sad. And this is like, hor- they like showed footage. Like, they buried Maggie and Paul and Mr. Murdaugh on the same weekend. Like, it was just, it was just <sighs> horrible. Like, that's just like fucking yeah, brutal. that's tough. Right? So, from there, like, things get quiet. Like, very quiet. Hmm. No arrests are made, and Alec and Buster go spend most of the summer at Edisol. The beach, beach house. house. Yeah. Like, bye. Mm-hmm. What? Hmm. Looks like you had a thought. No. Okay. No. We're good. Um, so, on August 11th, 2021, Alec oh. comes... What? Happy birthday, Dad. That's not his birthday. His birthday's the 20th, you absolute idiot. You're right. <laughs> It's grandma's birthday and Angie's birthday. Sorry. Okay. So Alec comes back from Edisol like tan and skinny, apparently. I don't know. Okay. Um, to meet with the police and get an update on the on the case. Um, and the, the, we have like footage of this interview and I fucking love it. The police are like, girl, actually, we have questions <laughs> for you. Sit your fucking ass down. And like, I think this is so interesting. Like he walks into the room and like, he's like all macho and like, tell me what you do, you know? And as soon as they start to question him, he like sits back in his seat. He crosses his arms, like his whole demeanor just like totally shifts. Right. Mm-hmm. They ask him point blank if he killed Maggie and Paul, he denies it. And the police officer goes at one point, I have to go where the evidence takes me and the evidence takes me to you. <laughs> Ooh, okay, so we're going to get some evident, like, hardcore evidence on this guy. Sarah? He drinks Capri Suns. What else do you want to know? Don't you start with me in the Capri Suns. Okay. Yes, we're going to. Chill. Okay. So, around the same time, Alec meets with Blanca and tells her to lie about what she saw him wearing that day. So, again, he's just, like, planting these seeds, right? Mm -hmm. So... The police don't arrest him at this point, right? But they're basically like, they put him on watch. They're like, we're fucking watching you. We're building a case against you. We hate you. Okay? (laughs) Okay. And a month later, on September 13th, 2021, Alec Murdoch calls 911 for the second time that summer. Oh my god, this guy. This guy. And now I'm going to breeze through this because these two clowns are so stupid, I can't even. Oh, is this where he like hires someone? Okay. Yeah. Alec claims that someone came up to him when he was on the side of the road changing his tire and just shot him in the head. Like, like for real, he has a gunshot wound to his head. Like, legit, okay. right? And everyone's like, oh my god, the crazy murderer who killed Maggie and Paul's daughter, Alec. Oh my god. But not so fast. Literally within a day, one day, Sarah, this entire story unravels. Okay. Enter, enter stage left, cousin Eddie, who I okay. legit want to get a drink with. Eddie. Eddie, call me. So, cousin Eddie is often called the fir- fourth Murdaugh. Like, he's basically like Alex Aaron boy. I imagine them to be kind of like Gaston and LeFou from <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> That's really like one of my the best mind. analogy I've ever heard. Do you love that? So, not only was cousin Eddie his drug dealer, 
He was also the one cashing all of the checks that were part of that insurance fraud scheme Alec was running. And when the police asked him about that, he's like, oh, is that money laundering? No, it's not. I just take the checks and cash them and give the cash to Alec. He's like, girl. Money laundering? I thought it was Monet laundering. Money making, baby. (laughs) So, again, I don't even know who to believe here. According to Cousin Eddie, Alec calls him and asked him to shoot him. And Cousin Eddie was like, no, girl, I'm not going to shoot you. And then, according to Cousin Eddie, Alec shot himself. According to Alec, Cousin Eddie shot him. With these two idiots, who the fuck knows? Like, was this a suicide attempt? Was this a sympathy attempt? I don't know, and I don't care. I haven't yet. I was going to ask you for your opinion on this, but do you care? I don't care. I don't care. Okay. It's just ridiculous, but... Right. And by the way, Alec makes a full recovery. He had like a surface wound, like a flesh wound. Like, I just... Who shoots himself in the head and gets a surface wound? Like, what is happening? So, again, Why didn't he just have him run him over with the car? Like, that's so it's dumb. Or okay, like if, anyway. Anyways, I know. I was going to say something really insensitive, but I'm not going to. <laughs> so, Alec is finally arrested on July in July of 2022. So, more than a year after the murders of Maggie and Paul. And I have in here, go get his ass. <laughs> get out of here. So, trial begins on January 23rd, 2023. It's so and, recent. It's so recent, and over 900 people were screened for this jury, which is like nuts. Um, I mean, that tracks, though, when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, so they ended up with, like, your usual jury, 12 jurors, six alternates, blah, blah, blah. I have this in here because this fascinates me. O.J. Simpson posted, like, an Instagram, like, reel or whatever, like, because he just, like, felt the need to chime in on this, and he thinks Alec is innocent. Like, whatever. Oh, great. Thanks so much, O.J. Really glad you... Of course you do. In this... Sarah? And this TikTok, he was like, oh, people keep asking me my opinion. I don't know why they think I'm the expert on this. <laughs> I was like, OJ? OJ? Oh. Watch. Next, he's going to be coaching on how to write a book if he did Fucking, it. If he did it, OJ. Girl, I hate you too. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, uh, Sarah, I've been kind of bearing the lead here. Okay. Oh, I'm hoping you're going to give me something like hardcore. I've been bearing the lead here a little. Trial? Trial gets going. We hear from Blanca. We hear from Jean. We hear from right. Da, 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 da. Okay. All setting up extremely good circumstantial evidence. All setting up extremely good circumstantial circumstantial evidence. That's not good enough for our girl Sarah. No, you don't like it. You know it's not. It's it's not good enough for Sarah. No. So, the star witness of this trial, enter stage left, Rogan. Hi, Rogan's got a great head of hair. Uh-huh. Love love Rogan. Is it because his Rogan sounds like Rogan? Huh. Oh, do you think I just like made that association in my mind? I don't know. I did there. Anyway. So, Sorry. no, I don't, pay attention. No. I'm so sorry. he's Paul Murdaugh's friend. And what did Rogan have to say? Girl, hold my fucking beer. Here we go. <laughs> Paul was taking care of Rogan's dog, Cash, at the time of the murders, right? Mm-hmm. So remember, they have a dog kennel. They have like all these dogs that just like live outside, which like Paul was at the dog kennel when he got shot. Yes, Sarah, the dog kennel you didn't care about earlier. So there, and there's something wrong with Cash, Cash the dog, Cash's tail. And Paul tries to FaceTime Rogan, but doesn't have enough service. So what he does instead is at 8.40 p.m., he takes a video of Cash trying to, to like capture on video this problem with his tail. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now remember, 
Alex's testimony is that he was up at the house taking the world's shortest nap at this time, right? 8.44 mm-hmm. p.m. And that the last time he saw his wife and son was when he left the house a little after dinner. Okay. Mm-hmm. Shall we take a listen to the video that Paul Murdoch recorded? Yes. Do you have it? Girl. Oh, I have my it. God. And again, you got to listen closely. Like, there's a lot of, like, background noise. And annoyingly well, enough. It's a dog kennel, but annoyingly enough, where I was able to finally find the audio, put like this like spooky music over it. And I'm like, this is unnecessary. <laughs> like, someone clearly ripped this off of like Dateline. I don't know. So oh, apologies. Okay. okay. But I want you to listen closely and okay. I want you to tell me what you hear. Was that Alec Murdoch? Sarah, how many people did you hear in that video? I heard at least three or four. Correct. So again, I know it's hard to hear. Guys, I'll, I'll maybe I'll put a link to this so you can listen to yeah, it on your own. A it's a little idea. more clear because you can see captions. But basically in the video, Paul, you hear Paul saying like, come here, Cash, come here, come here, Cash. Get and back, get back. Yeah, get back, get back. And then in the background, you hear Maggie say, he's got a guinea. Yeah. So what's happening is Bubba, fucking star of the show, Bubba, had a like chicken in his mouth, I guess. Like he was like Who's running Bubba? around. Bubba is another dog. Oh. Did you think it was the brother? I thought it was the <laughs> Wait, I thought he wasn't here. <laughs> Bubba the dog. He's a golden retriever. He's very cute. Oh, Bubs. Okay. Bubs. He's a hunting dog. He lives at the kennel. So you hear Maggie saying, he's got a guinea in his mouth, right? And then what do you hear? You hear another man's voice say, yeah. Bubba, come here. And it's not Paul's voice. And you can tell because Paul's the one holding the cell phone mm-hmm. and the voice is happening behind him. Okay. Sarah, his voice is on the video. It's totally on the video. Alec Murdoch's voice is on the video. Right? Do we have a time of death for Maggie and Paul? Okay, let me get into it. Okay. But first, hold on. Don't let me. I cannot skip over this point in my notes where I say, let's give a standing ovation to Bubba the dog. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Bubba. Bubba. Treats and naps for you. Love you, little ear scritchies. Okay. Um, So here's what was happening. (laughs) Paul was like rapidly texting with Rogan around this time, right? Like they're like, Mm -hmm. he's like, there's a problem with the tail. Send me, FaceTime me. Oh, I don't have service. Send me a video. Right? He takes the video at 8.44 p.m. And they're and both him and Maggie's phones go completely dark, never to even be picked up again by 8.49 p.m. Okay. Mm. We are talking about a five-minute window here. Okay. Because remember, at 9.06 p.m., Alec calls Maggie and she also doesn't answer, right? Mm-hmm. So Alec was with Maggie and Paul within two minutes of their murder. And he somehow didn't think that that was necessary to share with the detectives. Yeah. Weigh in, my friend. Okay. This is like a little bit more of what I was looking for. Okay. It at least places him there, but 
without a, again, we don't know the distance of the kennel to the house. We don't know the precise time of death. So mm-hmm. we know that at 849, the phones go dark. Yes. We know at 906, Alec calls Maggie. Ostensibly, if he was down in the kennel with Maggie, he would have just said, hey, by the way, I'm going to go see my mom. Exactly. So that's odd. Do we know, like, how close was his phone? Was he, I mean, it's the same property. Yeah, so, like, so it was all cell yeah, towers. It, right, exactly. But, like, how close was her phone to his phone? Like, we don't <sighs> – yes, this is more along the lines of what I was looking for. But, like, I – Sarah. Okay. But you can, you can argue it. Okay. Well, and argue he tries. I'm sure. Our guy Alec, of course, takes a stand in his own defense, Sarah. Well, of course he does. He's a celebrity, so. Fucking. (laughs) Admit it, I sound just like him. I need you to edit this with enough time for me to pull that out of the audio so I can post it. (laughs) So, obviously, he denies any involvement in the murders when he's up on the stand. He does admit to it being his voice on Paul's video. And so he's like, oh, well, yeah, I lied about taking a nap at the house. I, I was down there at the kennel and then I left and then they were dead two minutes later. I don't know. Okay. So his reasoning that he lied to investigators was that he didn't trust the police, Sarah. Naturally. This man who's lived in the police's back pocket for years, for <laughs> generations, really, he was afraid of the police. I have in my notes. Sure, Jan. I fucking hate you. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a terrible defense. Again, that's terrible a bone to pick with attorneys. Like, can we do a better job here? I mean, they were doing the best I could. Are they though? I mean, so and so we're almost like wrapping up here. I just I also had in here like I just wanted to like I don't know call attention to or like I don't know. Um, Buster Murdoch testified in his father's defense. And I and this is a surviving son, Sarah. <laughs> it's not Bubba the dog. No. His name is not Boomer. His name is not Bates. It's Buster. Got it. So All the same. Come on. And this just like, I don't know. It was just really sad to watch this like poor kid do this. And, yeah, I mean. And like he gets up there and he testifies that his father was a loving and caring dad and husband. And that the weekend before the murders was, like, a perfectly normal weekend for the family, blah, blah, blah. And I have in here, I think it's interesting because, like, Blanca's testimony actually contradicts this because the weekend before the murder, Maggie had called her to tell her that Paul, the brother who had been involved in the boat case, that Paul had been caught drinking while driving a boat again. I mean, that's so dumb. So I would say not all as well at the Murdoch home. But, okay. So... All that to say, how does this end? Alec is found guilty after the jury deliberated for like two seconds and was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. Bye. Mm. Goodbye. So, okay. So, Um, so that's kind of the wrap of the episode, like the wrap of the information I have, but I want, so I want. There's an update in the case though. There's an update in the case, but girl, do we save that? It's your call. Okay. It's your call. Okay. I'm fully invested, so. She's fully invested, guys. Okay. So first, I think I want us to take a side on this part, though. Sarah, take a side. Did he do this or did he not? 
or tell me what you think happened. Yes, I think he probably had a hand in this. I think, like, I I wish we had something more concrete. I wish we had, like, confirmed that there was gun residue on his hands, confirmed yes. that, like, he brought a gun down, but yet not a single weapon was found right. on the property, like, or found on the, at the at scene. At the murder scene. Explain yeah. that to me, like... Like I need more, and I, I, I put that on the police. Like I think that's a hundred percent the police's responsibility. Um, I think they could have gotten this guy. I think they were probably a little hesitant. I think they probably treated him with kid gloves where they shouldn't have. Um, I think he probably did it, but like I wish I had more to like really stand behind that. Would you find him guilty <clears throat> beyond a reasonable doubt? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think so. Explain to me then how, if his story of events is true, he was down there, Bubba the chicken, and then he walks away, and two minutes later, his family is killed with multiple gunshot wounds to yeah, their and bodies. and you didn't hear anything? And you didn't like, hear that? Yeah. I mean, that would be the piece that would push me over the, he did it, like he's guilty. Well, that's what he, I mean, that's... According yeah. to him, he was two minutes. He was two minutes away, and he didn't hear what what it ended up being. Total six gunshots. This is very like staircase esque to me. Hmm. Just like turned out different. <laughs> yeah, like I think the guy from the staircase is probably innocent. Actually, this this is very staircasey to me. How like so to, so again like we don't know. So in two minutes, could he have gotten from the kennel? To the no. house no. and and here, like I maybe I'll pull it up while you're kind of sharing your like the distance between yeah, the like, hunting what are we lodge. Talking here, like if he's inside, would he have heard the the gunshots right. go off? Like I don't, I don't know. Two minutes is not a long amount of time, but like I can get from my apartment clear across the street into a whole other neighborhood in two minutes. I mean, but you I would, would have no idea what was happening in my apartment. So, let's see. Um, Do you see what I'm saying, though? Like, while I think it's a really shitty explanation, like, I I think it's very holy. So, the house is 12,000, or 12, sorry, 1,200 feet from the dog kennel. I mean, that's not far at all. That's not far in the slightest. But again, yeah, so could he get back to the house? Sure. And I guess what he's saying is, like, he got back to the house and, like, jumped in his car and, like, frantically drove off, right? And that's how he didn't hear this. But then his self – but then he wouldn't have been calling Maggie from the house at 9.06. Correct. So that doesn't line up either. Yeah. So Yeah, this guy's guilty. I don't know why I'm (laughs) – sorry. I don't know why I'm – does he confirm that's him on the tape? Yes. Yeah. Okay. He did it. Okay. Sorry. I don't know why I just waxed you. Tr- you tried. He did it. You tried. He did it. So let me tell you what I think happened. I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think he for sure did this. Yeah. I think in the days leading up to the boat case, he's been confronted about financial trouble. He is, his father is dying. His last lifeline, the last person that could help him is dying. Right. I think, and this is where like I do struggle. What was he trying to achieve by killing them 
That I'm not sure because it's not money, right? He wasn't right. he wouldn't have inherited money from Maggie dying. So I think what he was trying to do was like garner enough like sympathy that people would back off about the boat case and the finances for the law firm. I think that's what this was. So I think that that day he knew he was going to kill them that day. Um, I think he called them back to Moselle for that purpose. I think they went down to the dog kennels and he went with them looking for the opportunity to do this. And I think as soon as Paul's back was turned, he shot him. Um, And then he shot him the second time. And when Maggie came running to the sounds of her child being shot, he shot her. Um, And then I think, you know, he did all the stuff the police say. He called the police. He did, you know, all of this. What I do have questions about, number one, where are the murder weapons? Mm-hmm. And number two, where are his bloody clothes? Mm-hmm. I wish more than anything Moselle had been searched that night. I yeah. think we would have found both of those things had Moselle been searched that night. Yeah. Right? So I so I think he murders – oh, I kind of skipped. I think he murders them. And then I think he's hauls ass back up to the house, jumps in his car. I'm assuming it's changed at kind of at this point. I think he jumps in his and car. And calls Maggie. He calls Maggie's cell phone. He drives to his mom's house. He hangs out with Shelly for 20 minutes. He goes home, discovers the bodies, calls 911. Yeah. That's what I think happened. But like I said, what I, I two pieces stick out to me. Where are the bloody clothes? Where are the murder weapon? And it's not enough to say, like, I don't think he's guilty. I just want to know what he did with those. Yeah. I agree with you, except I think that <clears> – and <throat> I don't think he woke up that day knowing mm. – that he was going to do it. I think when he got the call about his dad, mm. then he has that weird conversation about his 401k. Like who yes. are his, could that have been? Who are his beneficiaries? Because if Maggie's oh, his interesting. beneficiary, like is he trying to change that? That's where I think the plan of oh, like. that's interesting. That's I think when the panic set in for him and he was like, I have to do something immediate. Right. And maybe it wasn't kill them. Maybe it was put them in a coma. Like maybe it was. Is there a clause in his policy where if his beneficiary something happens to his beneficiary, then he gets a hundred percent like interesting? I don't know. I mean, four hundred one k plans are weird like that, right? Like, I mean, who knows right. how it was set up? But like that could have been what he was asking about. We don't know. That's mm. I'm, I'm totally speculating wildly on that, but yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of things happened the yeah. afternoon of the seventh. That pro- I think you're probably right. That that put yeah. this plan into motion for him. I think so too. I because. I don't think it was very well thought out. Like, I think he was just acting. I don't want to say on, like, not on instinct, but like he was just acting in the moment as yeah, things were happening. It's messy. It's, it's not, messy. This wasn't like a professional hit. Right. Like, yeah. And yeah. that's why a part of me wonders was one of them an unintended victim? But if so, Maybe, why? I think it was, I think Maggie was the unintended victim. Why call her back to the house that night then? Because I think he probably selfishly just wanted people around him to like, because you yeah. want, because I think maybe you want your person. I mean, I don't know. I mean, but he didn't, I mean, when did he, do we know when he, did he call her after he found out about his dad? Like, yeah, after he found out about his dad, he called, or maybe he might have texted Maggie and Paul and said, hey, can you guys come stay at Moselle tonight? Like, dad's really sick. Like, yada, right. yada. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, you know, I think if I think you've kind of changed my mind a little. If anyone was an unintended victim, maybe it was Paul. Well, no, I'm sorry. Maybe it was Maggie because 
getting rid of Paul and the boatcase. Right. That at least takes that off. Well, I don't know that it would uh, – see, I don't know, like, if it would get rid of it, but it would at least give him – it would buy him time. Right. 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 Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Girl, what is dirt know. bag though, huh? This guy sucks. Um, so let me real quick. We've been recording for an hour and a half now, so I might as well just dive into it. Let me just real I would quick. just do it. I need it. Yeah. I just want to touch on this. You guys have probably heard, and maybe we'll do like a special episode, like another time, like more in depth. But there's a very good chance our guy Alec could be getting a new trial next year. Ooh. Um, <clears throat> there have been very serious allegations of jury tampering in this case. And so, Sarah, let me tell you, I so you guys probably know the clerk of the court, Rebecca Hill, has been, I don't want to say charged because I don't think she's been criminally charged, but like I guess accused of, mm-hmm. accused of tampering with the jury inappropriately in this case by the defense. And so I, I had read all that. I heard that. The clerk? The clerk of the court. But Sarah, okay, I sit down to watch the Southern Scandal, the Murdoch documentary on Netflix. Who is the first person interviewed? Rebecca Hill, I about fell out of my Becky chair. with the good hair? When really? she popped up on the screen with her little tweed suit jacket. And she's like, <laughs> oh my God. Sarah, I have a quote in here from her. Arkel Becky, in this Netflix documentary, says, quote, I love my county and I love my job, end quote. Girl. Hmm. So what she's been accused of doing, so she's the clerk of the court, and that's an elected p- position in Hampton mm-hmm. County. And basically, it's like the judge's right hand, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she does a lot of court business. She's like a, an official like position. I mean, I don't want to call her his admin, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. But it's a very powerful position. You have yeah. access to defendants, to lawyers, to the juries. Like, so according to the defense, well, I guess according to the defense <laughs> and two jurors that have gone on record, Ooh. Becky Hill was going to multiple jurors, pulling them aside for private conversations and saying things like, y'all know he's guilty, right? Like, y'all aren't going to debate that long, right? Like, he's guilty. Like, of course he's guilty. Yeah. What? Dude, it's serious. And this is, and this makes me mad because, like, Alec Murdoch is guilty of sin. Girl, bye. Spend the rest of your life in jail. I don't care. But, God damn it, he deserved a fair trial. And yeah, this is not fair. This is not fair. Fair. If she really did this, if the allegations are true, his conviction should be overturned. He should get a new trial. It should be relooked at for sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, it, it makes me. Oh, it makes me so mad. Yeah. Because he doesn't. Yeah, that's a that. miscarriage of justice. Yeah. I mean, you know, we want to. We want to say like, but like, yeah, that's not fair. No. So I'll leave you guys with that. Maybe we'll do like I'll do a deeper dive in that like another week. Um, but Becky, Becky, girl, and like what kills me is that this story is full of like wonderful, strong women that yeah. like testified bravely, like testified against their employer, like right. Yeah, and then you have fucking sucks. Becky over here. I fucking hate you, Becky. Get out of here. Um. So yeah, I that's I guess. A wrap on our Murdoch saga. Dang, girl. And that girl. was oh, so good. I'm so tired. That was exhausting. 
I you went through a whole the whole spectrum of emotions in the last hour. I was so much. Um, this was great. This was so fun. This Sarah, like obviously, I love this podcast, and I think every week is great. But this week in particular felt like when we used to like get a coffee and sit down and talk yes. about true crime. That's I what this know. felt like. It was so good. Yeah, it was real, and it's very fitting because this week, actually, this actual week is the one year anniversary of the of our idea of our pod baby i know like how crazy is that so this was perfect thank you for coming on this journey with me thank you for letting me talk your ear off for almost two hours now thank you for doing such a good job this was so well done you really you took a big case and like really did it well well. and that's the thing like big shout out to all of my sources please check them out in the show notes um i want to give a special um shout out to the prosecutors podcast that did an excellent series on this um another shout out to the netflix documentary series the murder murders a southern scandal fantastic very interesting they just released a second season about the trial like Sarah, I can't believe you haven't watched this. It's really good. You know what? Phil was just saying that to me last week when he yeah. was asked what we were recording, and I was telling him, and he was like, "And I had said um, that you were watching the documentary, and that I hadn't seen it yet." And he's like, "What do you mean you haven't seen it yet? Like that is yeah. so up your alley." I yeah, like, it's I know, really I good. Just haven't watched it yet. And it's nice, like short episodes. They're like forty minutes long. Mm. Um, so yeah, and then the other one I wanted to shout out was um, the Greenville Online, um, you know, newspaper. Thank you for some yeah. excellent local reporting on the issue. So Love it. You crushed it. Whew. If our listeners wanted to write into you and tell you how much they loved your yeah. episode, how can they do that? They can reach us at sisters.take.a.si at gmail.com or on Instagram at sisterstakeaside underscore podcast. I love it so much. All right. Let's wrap there. Let's not do a listener question because people are tired of hearing us. Probably. So. Um, Sarah, what are you covering next week? Um, so we all know that the queen <gasps> just I knew it. I knew it. I knew her it. memoir. Yes. yes, she did. Um, Have you so gone to Barnes and Noble to buy it? I ha- I'm, I'm. This is. I'm in my budget era right now, so mm. I haven't. But I have thoughts and I have feelings, yes. and. I may have to dive a little deeper in an hour-long podcast about it. I'm just saying it's an idea. Okay, for the people that are not you and me that don't know what you're talking about, what are you talking about? Britney Spears! It's Britney, bitch! It's Britney, bitch! <laughs> um, I don't know how many people know this, but Emily and I used to share a room when we were younger. And we sure did. And the very first CD, cd you can remember, <laughs> the very first CD-ROM I ever purchased was... Britney's Baby One More Time album. Yes. It's classic. Me, um, nine years old, singing Hit Me Baby One More Time. Played okay. on repeat on okay. our boom box in our shared room. Yes. Um, so holds a special place in my heart. May have to like put some thoughts on paper and then talk about it. I think that's an now. excellent one. That's excellent because there's so yeah. much interesting legal court stuff. There's so much involved. And like, I know we say this all the time when we cover celebrities, but like... I know when you put yourself in the public, like you, yeah, you do release a portion of your privacy, but we all owe a massive, Dude. massive apology to Britney Spears and, uh, Justin, and Justin Timberlake, you especially. Justin Timberlake, I would just with your crunchy ramen down. hair, get out sit of here. down. 
Anyway. Drink some water. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm psyched for that. We'll see. We'll see okay. how far I get this week. I don't know. I might just... I might have too much to say. I don't know. Okay. You we'll make it a two-parter. Except not a two-parter. Except don't... Don't call it a two-parter. Don't mess with that SEO, baby. All right. We have to go. Okay. <laughs> I love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.